You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Getting in the Word. What a privilege it is to gather this morning. I pray you're blessed. Pray you're getting ready as you approach Christmas Day. I know that many are out and about, and so just want to encourage you to be careful out there. And uh, and we are getting quite the cold weather here. Cool weather, not cold. I lived in Montana for a few years, so I kind of know what cold is and what cool is. But nevertheless, uh, we're grateful to have you this morning. And uh, if you're joining us for the first time, we want to welcome you. The, mat, the chat will stay mute except the admin until the end of the message, and then we'll open it up for Q&A. And in that Q&A, I want to keep it uh, focused on the message. You know, a lot of times we will uh, end the message and we'll teach for an hour, and then we'll get some random question out in left field. And well, we're very specific in what we want to accomplish, and that is to discuss the passage of Scripture for which we are engaging and, uh, and so I pray that you'll be blessed by our time today. I hope you were able to read the devotional this morning. Um, and I pray it was an encouragement to you. It's, it's always an encouragement to me uh, to wake up in the morning and consider what the Lord has put on my heart. And I pray that, uh, that, that God will bless you in those moments. And I know it's just a short thought, but uh, nevertheless, it is a a thought from the Word of God, and the Word of God will never return void. And so I pray that uh, you will be blessed um, by those short devotionals. And if you feel so led, share them. Um, they will be a blessing to many others if they are a blessing to you, most likely. So again, welcome to Getting in the Word. We are typically here 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday on a normal basis. Pastor Gideon is teaching on Wednesdays, but we have taken this week off. But because we've gained a, a, a number of amount of people, new subscribers, we felt it would be uh, necessary to jump on and, and make ourselves known to you guys. And so we're grateful to have you if you're joining us for the first time. We've been teaching through a book uh, in the Old Testament, the book of Jonah. And today when we come, we're going to address part four of the book of Jonah, and we've really been challenged, I believe, in this book, and uh, I think it's important for us to consider in our days over which we live. So if you will, let us consider um, Jonah uh, part four. Let's pray, and then we'll jump right in. Father, we thank you uh, just for the privilege and the opportunity to to come together and to um, open your word. I pray God, that by your grace and by your mercy, you would uh, use this time to uh, exalt your name, exalt your word, and point us in the right direction, Lord, so that we might live a life that would honor and glorify your name. And so as we uh, consider here Jonah part four, God, help us to be faithful in uh, accomplishing all that you've called us to, as you have called Jonah to go and to do a specific task, so you have called us to go and do a specific task in our lives. And thus, I, my devotional this morning, God, I pray it was a blessing to many. Um, God, may you be glorified. May you be honored so that we might walk in your word and fulfill your task. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Well, turn with me uh, to the book of Jonah. We've looked at uh, three things I think will be helpful in preventing us from running from God. You know, sometimes when we engage or encounter uh, various circumstances of life, and when God calls us to do certain things, the reality is, is many times we may not like that calling, or, or we may feel fearful of that calling, and thus we may um, run away from that which God has called us to. We know that every single one of us who have professed Jesus Christ and are born again have been called to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And many times that is, uh, in, in, in when we encounter various persons throughout our day, it can be very awkward. But nevertheless, we've been called to do that. And so we've looked at a few things that I believe will help us and prevent us from running from that which God has called us to do. And first thing we notice is that we need to first develop a healthy fear of God. We, we saw that doing that, having this healthy fear, this reverence, this all of God was biblical and profitable for the Christian's walk. And so if this morning you are running from what God has called you to do, and I don't know what that is, God's call on our lives are very different. But nevertheless, if you don't have a healthy fear of God, you may fear something else that will prevent you from accomplishing that which God has called you to. Secondly, not only do we need a, a healthy fear of God, we need to develop a healthy reliability on God. We saw the men were instructed to do something in a, in a certain way, and it wasn't until they relied on God that 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 their problem was solved. It was an, it was it was until they relied on God that their problem remained. And I wondered this morning how many problems exist in our life because we have failed to respond to what we know to be true, what the Word of God has instructed us, and how we are to operate and function when we fail, when we sin, when we do those things that are not pleasing to God or are disrespectful to others. And when we fail to repent of those things and confess our sins, as 1 John 1, 9 says, many times the problems that exist in our life are not because we're doing something great, it's because we have failed to repent of that which God has called us to do and do it in a way that honors God, right? We can do something good with a bad heart and it still be improper. So we need to we need to develop a healthy reliability on God and His Word and to do things the way He has called us to do them. And then we need to develop a healthy worship of God. And we saw these men on the boat, on this ship, that as they began to obey God and follow the instructions which they were instructed to throw the man overboard throw Jonah overboard and that the sea would become caught. When it did, they realized that Jonah's God was the big G God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one who has created the, the seas and the land and, and all that is within them. And the reality is, is that's an important truth to be reminded of. 
We need that reminder quite often. We need to develop a healthy worship of God. And so what do they do? They worship and they offer sacrifices in, to, to the one true God. Now, I'm not talking about making sacrifices or, or you know, doing things to false gods, some man-made created God, some fake Jesus, some phony, right? But nevertheless, we need to have a healthy worship of God. We saw in Jonah 1, 1 to 3, Jonah on the dry land disobeying God, running ultimately in the opposite direction from where God had called him to go. He had called him to go to Nineveh and preach against that city, but instead he went in the opposite direction. Chapter 1, verses 4 to chapter 1, verse 17, we see Jonah on the sea fighting with God. And really here we preach two messages, the effect of running and how to overcome the temptations of running from God. This was a transition from fighting with God now to what we're going to see with the fact that here we see a pleading with God. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, we see Jonah now under the sea pleading with God. And then in chapters 3 and 4, we'll see Jonah back on the land obeying God. So today we're going to look at Jonah's pleading with God, or you could call it Jonah's prayer to God, his crying out to God. So if you will, let's open to the text and begin to dig in and begin getting in the Word. Jonah uh, chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, <clears throat> his God from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I call out of my distress to the Lord. And he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice, for you had me cast into the depth into the deep, into the heart of the sea. And the current engulfed me as your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head, and I descended to the roots of the mountains, the earth with its bars were around me forever. You have brought me, brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you and into your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. And then the Lord commanded the fish and vomited Jonah up on dry land. As I read this text, I can't help but think about Jonah's praying. We've studied through the first chapter, and if you have not caught up on those, you can always go back and look at uh, our Linktree account, and there 
you'll find the Buzzsprout link. And in that Buzzsprout link, you'll see part one, part two, part three. And then after today, we'll post part four. And you can catch right up to speed. But we've started, studied through the first chapter and really looked pretty good details of the life and the actions of this prophet Jonah. And here in this message today, we learn a valuable lesson in the actions of Jonah. Let me tell you a story. When my daughter Annabelle was two years old, Jennifer and I noticed one morning that her knee was swollen and, and puffy. No evidence of bruises or scratches or anything that would give us an understanding of why this little girl's knee was so big. We thought maybe she fell, she maybe she bumped something like, um, you know, tripped down the stairs or something, and maybe we just didn't know it. So we gave it a couple of days, but the swelling never went down. And the area that was swollen began to turn red, and Annabelle started feeling bad and started to run fever. And, and if I remember correctly, we became disturbed. And so we took her to the local doctor, her pediatrician, and after viewing her situation, he sent us to a specialist to have our knee looked at because that area became feverish. And so we went to this doctor, and he looked at her knee, and he drew some fluids out of her knee. And I'll never forget it. It was my first child. And there has never been a time in my life where I couldn't control the problem. And here, the doctor says that my daughter has staph infection in her knee and is in need of immediate surgery. So, of course, me as a father... Being blown away by this, I start calling other doctors and other hospitals to confirm that this is the correct procedure that needs to be considered because I wasn't going to take lightly that my daughter needed to go under a knife. I remember that day so well as my daughter, we moved over and proved the procedure. And that day she laid in that hospital bed. She was really too young to communicate in a detailed manner. She, There's no way I could have explained to her what was going to happen. But as she laid in that hospital bed, looking at me, wondering, wanting to know this seeming question, Daddy, is everything going to be okay? And I remember trying to be strong telling her God was going to take care of her. And then they put her to sleep. It destroyed me on the inside, like nothing ever before. And through that, God showed me for the first time in my life a situation that was 100% out of my control. And all I could do in that moment was trust Almighty God. Anyone here know what I'm talking about? Anyone here understand the circumstance and the situation that you might be in that is completely out of your control, and for the first time in your life, you only have one option, and that is to trust in a sovereign God who is in control of every detail of your life? Has anyone ever experienced that? Living life, having no control of the circumstance. 
simply having to trust in the Lord. Well, that's what's happening in the life of Jonah. He has admitted to his sin of running away from God's plan and explains to these men that the storm would be calm if they would simply remove him from the boat. Throw us, throw me overboard. And so Jonah's done what? He's thrown overboard into a raging sea. And though the sea became calm, we learned that he had no control in this matter. And all he can do in the moment is now trust God. If you remember, he's the one who told the, 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 the captains, throw me overboard. And they didn't want to, but they realized this is the only solution to the problem. There are a few things I want us to learn from this passage today that I think will help us get through the mundane things of life, daily life, and to get through those times and those circumstances and those situations that are completely and totally out of our control. Listen, first, I want you to see and understand that acceptable prayers come in time of need. Acceptable prayers come in the time of need. Secondly, acceptable prayers come in obedient minds. And then thirdly, acceptable prayers come in trust and anticipation. Here in the first verse, we see a new Jonah, so to speak. A Jonah that seems to be no longer running, but a Jonah that is now pleading with God. And when we plead with God, it helps us want to be what? Obedient to Almighty God. We notice that these acceptable prayers come in time of need. He says in verse 1, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I call out of my distress to the Lord. And he answered me. I cried for help from the depths of Sheol. You heard my voice. Here we see something different in Jonah. We have looked at chapter 1, and we've seen the sailors crying out to their gods. We've seen them even ask Jonah to call out to his God. But in chapter 1, we are not told one single prayer that Jonah has prayed in the midst of the storm. A matter of fact, if you recall, he's in the bottom of the boat. He didn't pray. He went down to Joppa. He didn't pray. He went down into the bottom of the boat. He didn't pray. Rather, he went down into the ocean. It it was only when he got as low as low could go did he pray. It says Jonah prayed from the stomach of the fish. Listen, when you run from God, my friends, when you try to disobey that which God has called you to do, And there are certain things as Christians that we are all called to do. When you run from that, listen, there is no way to determine how low you will go. But when you hit the bottom, there's only one thing to do, and that is to look up. And that's what's happened to Jonah. You see, acceptable prayers come in times of need. The Hebrew word for prayed here is used a total of 79 times. And out of those 79 times, 75 times it's translated pray, 
prayed, or praying. In dub the 75 times, we see the Hebrew word translated pray is used 28 times, and maybe only once out of those 28 times is it used not in time of need. I would say that Jonah finds himself in a particular kind of moment, a, a, a needy moment. I mean, dude's in the belly of a fish. He's been cast out of a perfectly floating boat into the ocean in which he is engulfed by the winds and the waves and the storms, and a big fish swallows him up. And not only is Jonah in a time of need, dude's in a weird place. He is in the belly of a fish. Listen, here's something you need to be reminded of, is when you run from God and what you know to be true and what God has called you to do, you will end up in some pretty awkward circumstances. You might end up in somebody else's bed the next morning when you know you ought not be there because your wife, your husband's at home with your children. You've run from your responsibility. You've advocated your responsibility to be a faithful husband and wife, and now you've had an affair, and you are in a very awkward circumstance. Maybe, young people, you've learned that, you know, you know you're not supposed to get drunk, but you got drunk, and what happened? Well, you ended up somewhere you ought not to be. Maybe you ended up in an accident and you killed somebody. Maybe you ended up in a place that you don't even know where you're there and why you're there. Maybe you've disobeyed God and you've used your finances unwisely and you've ended up in an awkward position in which you've lost your house or your car because you're unable to take care of your bills. But listen, we need to be obedient to God and what He has called us to do in His Word, but that assumes we know the Word. We know what God has called us and instructed us. Jonah's in a weird place. He's in the belly of a fish. But that is very encouraging to us. It should be to us. That no matter where you are or what your situation is, can I remind you that there is no place that is too inappropriate to hit your knees and to plead with God, to pray to, to the Father. We, we, yes, we, we, we have a God who is wrathful, who is just, who, who is just. He will repay for his enemies. But we also have a God who is gracious and merciful and willing to forgive. Running sometimes puts us in places that are not real normal, but nowhere is too far-fetched for God to hear our cries, my friends. You might be at the lowest of the lowest point of your life, but let me remind you, God is able to hear. He can hear every, he's not obligated, but he can hear every prayer from wherever it may come. You might be behind bars when you hear this message, or you might be going there, just not yet. But God can hear you through those solid concrete walls. I've seen him do it. You might be somewhere you have no business being. God can hear your cry. You might be so far from God that you think 
uh, that wherever you're at, that that building, that house, that office space could fall on your head. You're never too far for the God we worship, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to hear your pleading. We see Jonah here crying out from the belly of the fish. You know, this morning, 3 a.m., I've got a couple of kids who are have chest colds and they're coughing and and I and I found myself up at 3 a.m. pleading with the Lord. God, take care of my children. We, we put our trust in you. Give them the immunities they need to get through this. We call out to him in those moments. What is it you're needing this morning? What is it you're distressed about this morning? Acceptable prayers, my friends, come in times of need. Can I encourage you today to get on your knees in your moment, in your situation, in your circumstance, and call to the Lord? For me and my wife, in the moment when we faced those difficulties, we knew we couldn't fix anything. We couldn't heal our little Annabelle. We couldn't even tell her it was going to be okay in an honest and truthful way because we just didn't know. She's out of our control. Now she's out, and that was hard to deal with, standing in the middle of that hospital within the confined space of that room but I knew that God could hear my prayers in my time of need. I remember calling my mentor, Jimmy Farabee, and just weeping on the phone with him as he consoled me and reminded me and encouraged me of the sovereignty of God and his ability to take care of his own children. He loves them more than I could ever love them. The reality was, is I needed to be reminded that God was able. And I needed to be reminded that I just needed to be faithful and to follow the procedure of prayer. Jonah's running missionary, he knew that even from the belly of the fish that God could hear his plea. And he was in a time of need. You may have run, you may have hidden, you may be far gone, but let me tell you, you could never get too far gone, for God hears your prayers unless the Lord turns you over to a depraved mind. But if you're crying to the Lord and you're pleading with the Lord with true repentance and turning away from your sin and asking Him for forgiveness, God doesn't shut the door on those who are knocking, my friend. We know that. Acceptable prayers come in time of need, but we also need not miss, secondly, acceptable prayers come in obedient minds. At this point, I think we know well the story of Jonah, how he was running, trying to flee from the presence of God, doing things in his own ways, and somewhat in chapter 1, we start seeing a change in Jonah. He admits that he is the cause of the circumstances for which these men are facing. He submits to the Lord's will of telling 
these men, how they could be saved. And then we see him making it back to pleading with God instead of being disobedient to God. And we know that leading leads to obedience. He says here in verse 3, you remember he says, for you had cast me into the deep. I love how he puts it on God. You had cast me into the depth, into the heart of the seas, and the currents engulfed me, and your breakers and billows passed over me. I said, so I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again to your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death, and the great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head, and I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars were around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Jonah is now showing the true mark of a believer. He is starting to be obedient, even his thinking. Listen, murmuring and complaining and living in rebellion is not the marks of acceptable prayer. We need to have minds that are willing to accept the things of God. Jonah could have complained that he was in the middle of this storm. He could have murmured about his situation. He could have rebelled against God even more. But instead, we see something different. We see the marks of a true believer. We see a, a, a runner in chapter 1, and we see a man that is living a life of deception in chapter 1. But, but the running is over. And a matter of fact, he can't run anywhere now. Now we see a man that understands the sovereignty and the ability and the capability of Almighty God. And so he says, you cast me into the deep, and your breakers and billows passed over me. God owns them. God owns these men. God owns these everything in this world. All things have been created, Colossians says, for, through him and for him. And he's to the point of death as low as he could get, even to the roots of the mountains, to the point of the earth with its bars around me forever. Jonah knew that he was in a place that he could not get out of. He was in a situation that God placed him in, and only God could deliver from him this circumstance. I wonder how many of you are responding to odd places God has sent you. Or I wonder how you are responding to the odd places that you find yourself, that God has allowed you to go to. Some of you are in the belly of a fish, not literally, but some of you are in odd places. But God's going to teach you a lesson in this moment. You sent yourself there. God allowed you to go there, and in that moment, God can teach you good things. But you could never blame that where you are on God above. Because while He is sovereign, He still allows you in your humanity the free will to choose to do those things for which you do. What you do is on you, my friend. Your sin is your sin, and you can't blame God on your sin. Because God is not a doer of evil. And you may be in a place today for which is awkward, it's terrible, 
but God's trying to teach you a lesson. And you can begin to come out of that place of bondage if you will begin to plead with God instead of disobeying God. Listen, I, I must say this, and I don't want you to think I'm some prosperity preacher or teaching some kind of liberation theology. But here's the deal. Some of you are in the place where you are because you put yourself there. And you think God has you there. And God is waiting on you to pick yourself up and stop having pity parties and get back to your real life. You know, God has given you the Spirit who lives in you. And you have to stop living in the flesh and living in the Spirit. We all are in a place that is inescapable. And that is because we are all born into sin, my friends. Here's my gospel insert. You, because of Adam and Eve's sin, have inherited a sin nature. And the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And unless you respond to the method by which God has provided you to escape your circumstance, which is eternal separation in a place called hell, unless you respond to God's method, which is the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that God left heaven and became a man, lived a perfect life, was crucified, killed on the cross, buried in the grave, and on the third day rose again and ascended to the right hand of the Father, unless you understand that that was your substitutionary death, that he took your place because you broke the law, you were guilty, and someone had to pay the penalty. Unless you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will enter eternity separated from God in a place called hell. You are in an impossible situation, just like Jonah is in an impossible situation, but God. You see, it's not that you love God, but God loved you and sent his son into the world that you might have life. Some of you believe you can work your way to heaven, but I want you to understand that if you think your good work can outweigh your bad deeds and God will let you in, you will be highly disappointed because the Bible says your deeds are filthy rags, your greatest deeds of filthy rags. And in Galatians 2.21, it says, if you can be saved by keeping the law, then Christ died needlessly. And that's not good enough. Turn over to Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, which remind us it's not the works which we've done in righteousness, but according to His great mercy and grace, you are in an impossible circumstance and situation to deliver yourself from your sins. And God is the only one who can get you out. And He provided the way through Jesus Christ, His Son. Jonah's in an impossible situation, and only God can get him out. So he sends a big fish. <laughs> it's God's way or the highway. But where Jonah is, God has placed him there for his protection. God is treating him in this way for a reason, and now Jonah is developing an obedient mind in which we know that is acceptable when it comes to those prayers that cause an obedient mind. Listen, troubles brought about by God are not intended to make you have, any, uh, have enmity with God, but they are placed in your life, allowed in your life, to bring about intimacy 
with God. Psalm 119, 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Psalm 119, 71. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. It says, I have been expelled from your sight. All of this was to draw Jonah back to God. You know, God disciplines those he loves, my friends. But if you claim to be a Christian and you're living in habitual sin, you're, you're constantly looking at pornography, you're having an affair with your wife, whether it be physical or emotional, you're stealing, you're lying, you're doing whatever the Bible calls sin, sin, and you're doing it habitually, and you are not being punished by God, that ought to scare the pants off of you because the Bible says he disciplines those he loves. And if he loves you and he disciplines you, then praise God. But if he doesn't discipline you, then the scripture says you are an illegitimate child, which means you're not born again. So it's in these moments in which God can take those afflicted moments and draw us closer to him. All this was to draw Jonah back. And here... In his prayers, he, he makes known who God is. With all that has gone on, all th these troubles, all my deathly situation, all these areas I have been placed in, in that I could not get myself out of, oh, Lord, you, he says, have brought up my life from the pit, oh, Lord, my God. Finally, he gets who is in control of his life and in his circumstances, and it's that it's only God who can deliver. His mind is being renewed into an obedient mind, one that will not run, but one that will dig in and do the work that God has called him to. Acceptable prayers come in obedient minds, my friends. When we look, when things look like they will not work, when it seems that there is no end in sight, when death is knocking at the door, when the impractical things of life seem to clash with the reality of life, what will you do? Well, I submit to you this morning, you're to have obedient minds. You're to have obedient minds. What do I mean? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for your life in Christ Jesus. Why do we pray? Because we want to be obedient. For we know the will of God. Why do we not pray? Because we are disobedient. Why are we disobedient? Because we fight with God. Why are we fighting with God? Because we want to be God. We want to make our own decisions. We want our own king. We want the way we want things because we are spoiled human beings who have failed to submit to the authority and submit to God Almighty, who is God Almighty. So we need to be obedient. Why are we obedient? Because we plead with God. And we know the will of the Father. Because we spend time in the Word and with the Father. James 5 says, 
The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. I'll never forget that day in the hospital. I was so upset. I questioned the Lord, why? Why, why, why my little girl? But I prayed out of obedience that God would have his way, that he would teach me and Jennifer through this. It was very humbling, but it was a, but it was a learning lesson. It was a, a process of sanctification that was taking place. With Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, 14, without holiness, without sanctification, no one will see the kingdom of God. Acceptable prayers come in time of, of need. Acceptable prayers come in obedient minds. And lastly, acceptable prayers come in trust and hope. I don't I, I didn't know what would come of Annabelle. There were risks. I know she was very sick. We spent Christmas in the hospital that year. And I know that to you and to others, that may not have seemed like a big deal, but for me as a fairly new believer, I never really had to trust God in my life. This was the first test in trusting God. And, and, and as I talked to my dear brother, Jimmy Fairby, on the phone, he encouraged me to trust the Lord, and that's what I did. Even though it was very hard time for us, we kept the faith. We, we trusted the Lord, as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 reminds us. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. We, we had to trust that God was in control. That, that didn't make it easy, but we kept the faith. And in, in God's trust during these hard times. Now, now, our situation could have ended differently. And we would have had to be an okay with that. As long as we're trusting God, the outcome is not our prerogative. He is in control. Jonah says, while he was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah out on the dry land. And Jonah, even while he was fainting, in the way, fainting away, he remembered the Lord. It seems that he trusted that even though God had brought him there into the belly of that fish, he was going to, by faith, pray. And he was going to make commitments to the Lord and a vow to the Lord. But Jonah reminds us that trust and hope is only in God and Yahweh, Jehovah God. He said in verse 8, those who trust in idols forsake their faithfulness. L listen, in a culture like ours, in a time like ours, when people want to worship their own ways, they want to get wrapped up in all of these decodes and all of these vibrations and all these positive thinkings in this faith help movement that we live in. 
this prosperity preaching of the day. You don't get to create your own God, and you don't get to create your own methods of worship. God determines how we are to worship because he is God and we are not. Do you remember the men in that boat? They cried out to their God, but they didn't do anything, did they? Jonah has known the Lord, and though he was running, he is now back, and he's pleading in a relationship with Almighty God, praying and he's trusting, and there is hope. His hope was that God would deliver him from the depths of the sea, and he said, I will sacrifice, looking, uh, looking to the hope of being brought forth so that in that moment he could offer sacrifice. And then he says, salvation is of the Lord. After Jonah prays, in his time of need, with an obedient mind and trust and hope, we see the great mercy and deliverance of Almighty God. God's still God, and God is still in control. And not only does it control uh, these men, these the boat and the sea, and the winds and the waves, but he also commands the fish, and they obey. You ever talk to a fish? And God is the one that people listen to. You want to see people brought forth in salvation? Share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Watch God work in their lives. Watch God speak to their hearts. Watch the Spirit of God indwell and change and transform people from the inside out. What we have is Jonah in a place that he can't be removed from by himself, but through his pleading with God, God delivers him to safety. Where is your hope? Is it in yourself? I just want to tell you, you can't get out alone. Where's your trust? Is it in man? Is it in the political party? Is it in a president? Or is it in God? Is your faith based on your own abilities? Is your salvation based by your own efforts? Let me tell you, you can't make it in your own efforts. But if you'll put your hope and your trust in Christ, God can deliver you from your awkward situation. He can deliver you from the pits of Hades. Listen, he wishes that none would perish, my friends, but that all would come to repentance and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6 says. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He is in a good way. He is not the best way. He is the emphatic only way. Jonah's prayer and pleading allowed God to be glorified. And same will go with you. Your prayers, your pleading with God, asking Him to save you today, crying out to Him because you are a sinner and you're separated as Isaiah 59 to your sins have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He doesn't even hear. It's time we pray and plead with God to forgive us, to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can do that today. Annabelle was all right. We spent Christmas that year in the hospital, and 
many more days watching her heal. It was a challenge, but it wasn't an easy challenge in the middle of that storm, but God was faithful to heal her, and we were blessed to have that outcome. And it just gave me another growth spurt in my ability to trust God. Listen, let the running end, my friends. Stop trying to do it your own way. Submit to Almighty God's way. If God has you in a place that you can't get out of, and that's every unbeliever, stop. Wait upon the Lord. Be faithful to pray, to trust that God is in control and that He is able and that He is teaching you something that will bring glory and honor to Himself. And He will bring you back into a right relationship with God. Would you do that today? Call on Him. Father, save even me, a sinner, rebellion, doing things my own way, running from you, God. I need your help, and God will deliver you. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to open your word, and I pray it was a blessing to many. May you use it for your glory, and may you encourage us to no longer run, but rather walk in faithfulness to him who is able. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. And be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.